Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on April 12th, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we take a look at education funding coming to the state from the Russ McKinney. The governor went down to the southern border last week and issued a new executive order as a result of the ongoing humanitarian situation. We have a global economic outlook for you and hear what the biggest economic risk is right now during the recovery. We also have a vaccine update from DHEC and much more. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about life during these uncertain times. Maybe they're becoming a little bit more certain, but still, nevertheless, let us know how things are going by calling 803-563-7169 and leaving us a message with your name, where you're calling from, and how life is going for you right now. It's 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 8,165 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 471,855 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of April 12th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 4%, and currently 511 people are hospitalized, 126 are in intensive care, and 65 are on ventilators. going to lead off our politics section with the Russ McKinney, who has an update for us on the latest on the education front, including $3 billion coming to the state and how it will be used to keep school children from falling behind. Now, this segment is brought to you by the long-standing tradition of me not doing any more work than I need to and time mismanagement. With that said, here's Russ. South Carolina's public schools have been at the center of the COVID pandemic. Since the unexpected closing of schools just over a year ago, students, parents, teachers, administrators, and public officials have grappled with how to keep the state's 767,000 schoolchildren from falling too far behind. Despite efforts at the state level to get schools safely reopened as soon as possible, many of the state's school districts opted to resume teaching using an array of different methods. Most schools have now returned full-time to -to face-to-face instruction. This week, officials from the State Department of Education told a Senate subcommittee that so far, less than half of the state's 79 school districts have submitted their plans for how they plan to help students make up for lost learning. Senate Education Committee Chairman Greg Hembry says the state is enduring one of the darkest periods in its education history. It's a crisis, and we need to approach it like a crisis. We don't need to approach it like, you know, well, we'll get there when we get there. That's, that's not sufficient. What is expected to provide impetus for districts to focus on making up for lost learning during the pandemic are the three federal pandemic aid plans passed by Congress. South Carolina's schools are slated to receive around $3 billion, 90% of which will go to school districts. The funds can be used for instruction, technology, and even for building new schools. That will see a significant infusion of money into the state's historically underfunded school system. Patrick Kelly is with the Palmetto State Teachers Association. The 
argument for many, many years is that we know what we need to do in our schools, but we don't have the resources available. Um, over the course of the next three to four years, it's going to be harder and harder to make that argument when you're talking about billions of federal dollars that have a lot more flexibility to them than your typical federal funds. Dorchester County Senator Sean Bennett, a member of the Senate's Finance Committee, says while the federal funding is coming in the form of aid, it offers great opportunity for state schools. I think that uh, school districts have a real opportunity to make some monumental shifts in the way that they deliver education. Uh, and if they can do that, um, I think we can take a really dark period over the past couple of years and, and, and maybe have a really bright future in, in, in education in South Carolina. The General Assembly has to authorize the use of the aid money, and lawmakers say the state will demand strict accountability from local districts on how the funds are spent. That's a concern for some legislators. Senator Kevin Johnson of Clarendon County represents some of the state's poorest districts along the I-95 corridor. I'm just being completely honest. In some of these school districts, you have some school board members. They probably shouldn't be school board members. They can't comprehend <laughs> and those types. But I'm just being honest about it. And so we have to keep all that in mind when we, when we think about what it's going to take to get these students caught up, make sure this money is spent the way it's got to be spent, and those types of things. State Education Superintendent Molly Spearman says if the pandemic aid isn't spent properly at the district level, the state can get it back. Thanks, Russ. And sticking with the State House, here is a look at some meetings we're watching this week. On Tuesday, the House and Senate will hold a joint meeting on flooding issues in Horry and Georgetown counties. Think Waccamaw River flooding issues. The Senate Finance Committee will be working on the budget this week, and we'll hear more Wednesday on a bill to break up DHEC, Bill S-2. And on Thursday, a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee will hear about several bills calling for a convention of states for a variety of issues. Don't hold your breath there, folks. As for the Senate calendar, all the big bills such as medical marijuana, the state flag bill, another bill dealing with obtaining more information from NextEra, and others have all been objected to. What's that mean? Well, a single senator can block a bill on the Senate calendar. And these are basically little proxy wars that happen on the Senate floor. A lot of haggling goes on behind the scenes to get these objections removed so debate can occur. So we'll see what eventually comes out of this this week on the Senate calendar. Medical marijuana, again, we're going to be keeping an eye on that. Could be happening soon. The House calendar is super short. One bill that could soon become law would require all public high schools to give instruction in the essentials of the Emancipation Proclamation in addition to the current requirements of instruction on the U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, which may have been stolen, and the Federalist Papers. Students would need to pass this course to graduate. Now, the bill would also require public colleges to teach these requirements at cost as well. And it would cost about $1.2 million for universities in the first year. This will increase costs for 16 schools, 12 of which said that they can currently manage it. Now, this bill, S-38, was amended, so if it passes the House this week, it will return to the Senate before going to the governor's desk. The other big bill on the House calendar would make the electric chair the default execution method in the state, since lethal injection drugs are no longer being sold to states. And in some sad news, there was a tragic development over the weekend involving the York County mass shooting. Robert Shook has become the sixth person to die from former NFL player Philip Adams, who also killed Rock Hill physician Robert Leslie, his wife Barbara, and two of their grandchildren, Ada and Noah. And another air conditioning technician, James Lewis, who had been working with Shook at the Leslie home, according to the AP. Adams took his own life and his brain will be examined for CTE, which is a term used to describe brain degeneration likely caused by repeated head traumas. 
Governor Henry McMaster spent part of Friday and Saturday down on the southern border in El Paso and Del Rio, Texas, meeting with South Carolina National Guard troops in the area and receiving briefings from senior military leadership charged with supporting and supplementing federal efforts to secure the southern border. Adjutant General Van McCarty joined him, and on Monday, the governor issued an executive order prohibiting the placement of undocumented, unaccompanied migrant children from the southern border in South Carolina foster care and group homes. Six private providers in the state have expressed interest to the federal government in receiving the minors and said they have the capacity for them. However, the State Department of Social Services says it expressed a number of concerns to the feds, including the impact on South Carolina children, something the governor cited in his executive order. Now, there are no such unaccompanied minors currently housed in the state. And 5th Congressional District Republican Congressman Ralph Norman announced Monday that he will be heading to the border as well with fellow Republicans on the House Oversight Committee. All right, folks, we have a short business section for you. Like we've been saying and hearing, vaccine policy is economic policy. I know, over and over again, that's been the marching line. But we heard it again from top global economic heads during an International Monetary Fund event on the global economy last week. Now, you may be saying, Gavin, why do I care about what IMF Managing Director Kristalina Gorgieva has to say about the global economy? Well, if you didn't know by now... We're incredibly interconnected these days. See globalization, the pandemic, the Suez Canal. Do I need to keep going here? <laughs> I don't want to. I'm, I'm tapped. So while we're still a South Carolina podcast, we need the occasional 30,000-foot view. And Managing Director Gorgieva has that. It is great to be bringing uh, some good news. Um, uh, we have upgraded uh, the growth projections for the world to 6%. And it is on the basis of three things. One, vaccinations advancing. Two, major economies putting in more stimulus, and the United States most recently did that. And three, we all have learned to function with the pandemic still around us. In other words, lockdowns do not cause the same decrease in economic activity. But there are two things to watch. One, the virus is mutating and still roaming around the world. Therefore, we have to concentrate on vaccinations everywhere for everyone. A fair shot. Two, we see dangerous divergence with a small group of economies, the US, China, and a couple of other emerging market advanced economies, moving to their pre-COVID levels by the end of this year, and the rest of the world being behind low-income countries, vulnerable countries, tourism dependent, small islands, they are all diverging vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the rest. And uh, that has been a big focus of our meetings. What can we do? Uh, my main point here is that I'm extremely grateful to the um, membership of the IMF for committing to provide a big boost to reserves globally, $650 billion special drawing rights allocation. It will help these countries that are falling behind the most. Now, it wouldn't be a global economic panel discussion without the United States. 
of course, our top central banker, Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, was there. Powell said the Fed will continue to juice the economy with asset purchases until there's actual progress toward goals of inflation and the indicators of maximum employment. He mentioned that there are still global risks, as well as domestic ones, that can still reverberate in the recovery. Uh, So there are a number of factors that are coming together to support a brighter outlook for the U.S. economy, uh, which looks like faster recovery and economic activity and job creation. I'd point to substantial fiscal support, vaccination now moving quickly and on track to allow a full reopening of the economy fairly soon. We vaccinated at least over 100 million Americans have had at least one vaccine. Over 60 million are fully vaccinated and we're doing something like three million per day. So that's moving right along. And of course, monetary policy is still supportive. And we got a taste of what faster progress will look like with the March employment report, close to a million jobs, particularly if you add in the uh, revisions for January and February. And we want to see a string of months like that so we can really begin to show progress toward our goals. The recovery, though, here remains uneven and incomplete. The burden is still falling falling on lower income workers. The unemployment rate in the bottom quartile is still 20 percent. There's still eight and a half million people out of work. Uh, and this, this unevenness that we're, that we're talking about is a very serious issue. Viruses are no respecters of borders. And until the world really is vaccinated, uh, we're all going to be at risk of, uh, of new mutations. And uh, we won't be able to really uh, uh, resume activity uh, with confidence all around the world. So it's not only the right thing to do, it's also the smart thing to do, as, as the director general just said. And before we go, I want to keep with Jay Powell for a moment and tell you a couple things that he said during his 60 Minutes interview this past week. He said that the economy right now is at an inflection point. He said, quote, that's because of widespread vaccination and strong fiscal support, strong monetary policy support. We feel like we're at a place where the economy is about to start growing much more quickly and job creation coming in much more quickly. The outlook has brightened substantially. That's Jay Powell there from his 60 Minutes interview. The rollout of the vaccine continues in South Carolina, and there are plenty of open appointments around the state. I know that because I just visited scdhec.gov slash vaxlocator, and there is a lot of green out there, people. A lot of green. Get your shot if you can. Like I've said before, Walgreens has plenty of openings, as do local health departments, and you can find those locations online, scdhec.gov slash vaxlocator. And just as a little aside to my vaccination journey, Uh, Since I couldn't get my second dose two weeks ago, I popped over to the Lexington Medical Center vaccination location at Brooklyn Baptist in West Columbia and got my second shot without an appointment. Now, I know appointments are necessary for those shots over there, but I got wind that there was some walk-up capacity, and sure enough, I walked in, got my second shot, boom, boom. Great location out there in West Columbia, a lot of people. Now, DHEC's interim public health director, Dr. Brandon Traxer, gave an update Friday on where we stand in the state when it comes to vaccine rates. I would say that DHEC is focused uh, on making the vaccines available to every eligible person in our state, more than um, comparing ourselves to other states. Um, Every state is different. Every state's vaccination plan is different. Um, And so it really is kind of comparing apples and oranges. Uh, We're certainly pleased that over one in five eligible South Carolinians has completed their vaccination series at this time. 
and over one in three um, have started their series. However, there is still a long ways to go um, to to beat this virus, this pandemic, and we need many more people to be vaccinated. Like she said, one in five eligible South Carolinians have completed the vaccine in the state and one in three have started it. That translates into 950,500 fully vaccinated and 1.5 million having at least one dose. And this is critical right now, Dr. Traxler said. We're at a critical point again in this pandemic based on what we're seeing occurring elsewhere in our country, particularly in the upper Midwest. The CDC director announced earlier this week that the UK variant is now the majority strain circulating in the country. We continue to perform sequencing and variant analysis in South Carolina and are doing an even deeper dive into our data. The way to stay ahead of the variants is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. We know that this UK B117 variant is spread more easily and can be more serious than the original strain. So we must take action now to prevent that fourth surge from occurring here that's being seen elsewhere in the U.S. DHEC certainly wants to see that the, um, the state's immunity level to the virus is as high as possible and hopefully over 70 to 80 percent um, so we can reach that, that you know, critical herd immunity. Achieving immunity via vaccination is safer than, than getting the immunity via a natural infection. Um, and in addition, because the duration of the immunity from infection uh, with COVID-19 is not uh, is not precisely known, it's still uncertain. Um, DHEC recommends that everyone 16 and older get vaccinated, even if you've previously been infected. Studies have shown that the vaccination, uh, the immunity due to vaccination, lasts at least six months and probably much longer. Um, and these COVID-19 uh, vaccines give uh, higher levels of antibodies than natural infection does. So far, 120 million Americans have had at least their first shot, including over 72 million who have been fully vaccinated, or 28 percent of adults. In the last seven days alone, there have been nearly 22 million shots administered, according to the White House COVID-19 response team on Monday. Now, the Johnson & Johnson supply has been a little uneven due to production ramp-up issues, even still, some 90 million doses total have gone out over the past three weeks. That's Johnson & Johnson, that's Moderna, that's Pfizer total. So big numbers right there. But there are still disproportionate vaccination rates, according to CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who had this to say on Monday. Looking at the data available, the total number of vaccines administered. Black and African-American individuals make up about 12% of the U.S. population and are just 8.4% of those receiving at least one dose of the vaccine. And 18% of the country identifies as Hispanic or Latino, yet they make up only 10.7% of those receiving vaccinations. We must do better, and we will do better, and here's how. Last month, CDC provided $3 billion to support efforts to increase vaccine uptake by expanding COVID-19 programs and ensuring greater equity and access to vaccines. We made more than $300 million in funding available to strengthen the work of community health workers nationwide, bolstering their efforts to provide and control COVID-19 to prevent and control COVID-19 among populations at high risk, 
and serving as trusted messengers to overcome concerns and vaccine hesitancy. These actions are in addition to the $2.25 billion CDC made available for testing efforts in communities at high risk and who are underserved across the country. We will continue to support and expand these efforts, ensuring that as we do, this work will build bridges with communities that allow for ongoing engagement to improve longstanding health disparities, such as blood pressure management, mental health, childhood vaccination, and diabetes control. And as we head out, a reminder, South Carolina did receive $47 million from the CDC for vaccine outreach efforts. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how things are going. If you've gotten both shots, if you've gotten one shot, if you're scheduling, tell us what's going on in your world, people. We've got the hopper going here. we got some more voicemails. We could always use more. Spring has sprung. Oh, full sprung. I'm wondering about spring break. People, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to have some sort of increase because of spring break. I'm a little worried. Tell me if you guys did anything for spring break. I won't judge you. Ease Gavin's nerves. <laughs> but, uh... You know, let us know. Give us a ring, 803-563-7169. We want to know what's going on. He's a wreck over this, people. Oh, just shaking. He won't shut up about it. Stop. I can't. I can't. <laughs> well, AT, uh, here we have another voicemail, but we're still... The hopper is dangerously low. Dangerously low. low like, they're, warning. They're, they're, it's causing tremors in the office. Um, it's, it's it's not good. Yeah, we're, it's, it's bad. Like but we, we do have one today. Okay. Thank God we got one. So uh, let's hit it. Let, right. You know what? Let's hit it just so just so we can get our fix. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're absolutely. We love fiend. hearing from you. We're fiending also. And we you know, know you guys have been thinking about, should I call? Should I call? I, I must... Do it. Do it right now. 803-563-7169. Anyway, this is what it sounds like when you call. This Here it is, is it. Hi, this is Ben Davis from Greenville, South Carolina, here to help fill up the empty hopper. I've uh, just given you a little few updates here. Uh, I am planting some tomatoes, some eggplants, some jalapeno peppers uh, today. It's supposed to rain, but it hasn't yet. We'll see if it does. Uh, and also to kind of let you guys know, um, a last thing that we did in the before times uh, was actually a uh, play for our kids who are homeschooled. And uh, they and their church group put on a play about Pilgrim's Progress. It came in right in the wire uh, Tuesday night before Sunday, the, before the Sunday that McMaster shut down all the schools. So it's uh, pretty remarkable considering that the play had originally been scheduled the following week. So if it hadn't been the following week, it would have been canceled. We're thankful for that. Also, a fun thing, uh, about two weeks ago, my daughter Karis and I ran the uh, 5K up here. That was her first 5K, and she did it in 30 minutes. Really proud of her uh, completing that race and doing such a good job. Well, appreciate all the great reporting about Crossover Week. Really helpful. Hope you guys keep it up. And really appreciate it. It really is the premier South Carolina news podcast. 
Ben Davis, thank you for helping fill the hopper. Honestly, now it's empty. It's empty again. <laughs> thank you. Clutch clutch listener right there. And we'd love to hear about your plantings. We need to have lead horticulturist Brenton Fox back on yep. to help keep everyone updated. But I'd love to hear that you're planting everything. I want to start planting some stuff. I just moved my plants outside. Mm. Get out of the house, you plants. You Get freak. in the sun. Uh, but it's great to hear from you and the fam and how things are going. Also, that 5K. Running the 5K, yeah. 30 minutes. Good for her. Yeah, I mean. I, I could yeah. never. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I just started running again because I got to run on that the dang bridge run. That's your fault. I know. Well, I will say it got pushed back because of the pandemic, and I was not ready for it last year. No. And then they canceled. I was like, oh, you got re- You got a reprieve All that there. training I did. Mm-hmm. So now it's, I think it's, what, September? And now I'm I, not sure. I, I think I'm going to be prepared. That bridge is long. It's long. It's and It's very long. That's slow incline, and there's a decline. You turn around, you got to do it all again. Oh, it's I'm not just, fun. It's not fun. Why did I sign up for that? So yeah, I just started running. I did a mile on the treadmill. Felt really good. Disgusting. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's enough. It's so boring. Yeah, I mean, I ran cross country in high school, so you're talking to someone. You're talking to a, a, a monster. And this is before I think I've talked about this before. iPods, even yeah. you know, iPhones, they didn't exist. And you couldn't run with your CD players because it'd skip. And I could barely <laughs> tolerate the people I ran with because I didn't want to talk about the stuff they wanted to talk to. So I just. You know, I was always busy trying to find the cut-throughs so you could walk a little bit. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. It's not a metaphor for my life, but the older I get, the more I think about that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't, you're not here for that kind of talk. But I did get my second shot, like I mentioned. Yeah, that was I, uh, nice. I mean, you so, just showed up and pop, pop, bang, yeah. bang, boom, bam, 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 You know, you, first shot was at a racetrack, second shot at a Baptist church, you know. As one does. If only I could have been eating barbecue at the same time <laughs> and drinking bourbon. I heard that if uh, <laughs> if you do that all at once, the shot plus bourbon plus barbecue, I'm sure... you get too strong, you hulk out. Yeah, it's dangerous. That, well, that's how you get 6G. Well, because, you know, you, you wait 15 minutes. I was like, if there was a buffet right here right now, which I know Brooklyn does, like, during the day. But sure. I was like, I would, that would just have been the best thing ever so. yeah too easy but yeah i was lucky I, I know they have a lot of capacity over there because a friend got their shot and said oh yeah you can just walk up and get your second shot and they were great because i put my birthday in wrong into vams mm-hmm. <laughs> i was so excited that i put like the second instead of the eighth mm-hmm. and they're like oh we can fix that i was like nice thank you i'm glad you're i'm glad you're double vax now well, i was well, worried about that too because you know i don't know what the future holds with you know how people are going to verify things who can know glad, who yeah. can know Constantly so. living in fear of the future. That's us here at the lead. <laughs> oh God, every day is a journey. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any adverse effects. Yeah, you got effects, you got really so lucky. lucky. Uh, you know, it was more like, and I don't know if it was a, the hangover feeling or if it was because I was actually hungover. You know, it's just who knows? you could say. I mean, to, to potato tomato. You know, who knows? <laughs> but um, at what did you you had something to say? I, you, had, I, you had a question. You had some something. I didn't to share. have a question. I have something to share. I, I had something that happened to me. Oh boy, that before the pandemic. You were like, if it happened to you, and it's this has happened to everybody, right? I so b- before the pandemic, if it happened to you, you'd be like, great, disgusting, but great, all right, fabulous. And you just like get over it, right? But this is the first Maybe. time, first time that it's happened to me since the pandemic started, and it was absolutely viscerally jarring. And that would be what? Okay, so I was talking to my friend who we're both fully vaxxed, so. Greg. Brag. Um, so uh, we're full, both fully vaxxed, talking to him. And when he spoke, he spit oh, and it hit me in the face. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh. And it's happened to everybody and sure. no one likes it. And no, it was, it no. was just like, Ooh, I'm just... It, it, instead of just being regularly grossed out and you get over it, it was literally like, <laughs> Shock. will I die? Shocking. Am I going to die? It was like, 
uh, it was so much to take in. I know I should have left the house. Uh, yeah, I was. I wanted to, to run home and shower and 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 get under Bleach. covers. It was terrible. <laughs> I hated it. So, but did you do you remain calm? I I played it so cool. Every all the listeners would be so proud of me. But I was very Internally, very cool. just melting I, down. My brain was on fire. <laughs> and it's these little it's these little things in life that like yeah. you're just not ready and, for yeah. to go back out and, and experience and like, them. Oh, uh, I hated it. I really was. I was really upset. That's traumatic. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, the Masters was this weekend. The Masters happened. I watched it on a TV outside. It felt very Southern. felt it, really good. I tried to go golf during the Masters, hoping that everyone that likes golf was watching the Masters. Definitely not. Didn't work. No. It was actually brought out a bunch of, like, jabronis Everybody. who never golf. It it's, was pretty bad. But I had like a great day. Tour de France is on, then everyone starts oh, biking again. Oh, a bunch of lances out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was good. It was um, It was great gorgeous stuff. outside. Yeah. It what was, a yeah. what a what a weekend Perfect to watch weekend television them. outdoors. Yeah, you know azaleas. Yeah, I mean the the azaleas, bro. And now, I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners have outdoor TVs. If you do, jealous, holler, uh, tag us. Yeah, let us know where we can watch television outside, please, because <laughs> it is luxury. It it's is like driving with your windows down and the AC on. That's Pure opulence. Luxury, yeah, you know? just <laughs> burning oil. Tell us about some of your favorite, you know, small luxuries. Small, small joys or traumatic events. Yeah, we're here for both. <laughs> One or the other. We're here for both. <laughs> we want to hear about them. 803-563-7169. Um, and thanks again for listening to the pod, y'all. Give us a shout, like I said, by calling us or leaving us a little message on iTunes. We love a review. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on sceTV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also check out This Week in South Carolina every Friday, 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 11.30 a.m. on SCETV. You can also find us and even more content on YouTube.com slash South Carolina ETV. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Are, are you winning, son? Yeah, Dad! Uh, Dad, it's a massive multiplayer game. You don't win! God! Ah! Uh.